Right, Dan, are you ready? I'm ready, let's go. Okay. Hey, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast, brought to you from England, but ranked number one in Germany. I know, how good's that? I know, we are the number one swimming podcast in Germany. I have no idea how that's happened, but thank you, everyone who's listening. We, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, guten Tag to our Deutsch friends out there. Oh, Dan's Thanks. trying to show off the little German he knows here. I had a little bit of GCSE learning in German, yep. So I just let you carry on? Danke, das ist super. That's all I got, I'm afraid. Oh, right, okay. I've forgotten. It's been over 10 years now. <laughs> Showing your age there. <laughs> yeah. Right, after last week's interview with Hector, who... It, honestly, if you've not listened to this podcast, it was incredible. Just hearing the meters that is involved in an international open waters swimmer's life was kind of stunning. It was actually. It's actually really interesting to get the the life of a ho- Olympic hopeful, basically, and the stuff he goes through every day is uh, very interesting, wasn't it? Well, as a sprinter, that meterage kind of scared the life out of me. I saw your face during the whole interview. Is a yeah, it but was it, a face of panic almost. Yeah, but it did get us thinking. <laughs> mm. Is there a quality versus quantity argument to be had in swimming? There is. I think there is, yes. So basically, are swimmers overtraining? Well, we've done a little bit of research, haven't we? We have, yeah. So in the news, I think it was like a week ago, Swim Swam reported in America since coronavirus has hit, and there are, amazingly, there are meets going on, which to me is baffling. In America, yes, which yeah. actually even so, yeah, yeah. crazy. Isn't it's, it? a, it's a bit crazy. But mm. out of all of the swims that have been done and recorded, fifty-eight percent of them are mm. personal bests. Yeah. Now, there's some arguments to be had around this, and Swim Swam presented a few of them. So I'll, I'll just listen to you. Yep. Yeah, so swimmers are maturing, so they're older now from before coronavirus. I think that one's a bit more laughable than others. Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Swimmers have got stronger from time out doing dry land. Which, to me, I, I agree with. I think that's actually one of the key points. Yeah. yeah. They're doing more land training, more core-based, more weights. Yeah. I know I we've spoken agree. about it in the past that dry land should probably be a more key feature in swimming. So maybe Absolutely. this is the result of that in like a very small sample size. Yep, yep. Um, swimmers are simply more excited to race. They've got a different level of appreciation for racing now after having so long out of the water. I think that's... Well, we've, we're both, miss, both missing training terribly aren't we yeah and I, the I, fact that i mean we're out of competition now by so many years but if you were out of training and out of competition you get that little bit of adrenaline yeah, i you? mean we, we miss it so much that we went swimming for a, in a pond yes i know <laughs> <laughs> literally it's a pond we went swimming how far could you go up and down about 15 20 meters it wasn't very far no and, and the seaweed up your face and it was awful yeah i had seaweed all in my hands and it was i swear it, it was wasn't really that like, awful we did enjoy it Oh, it, it was, was actually quite invigorating, wasn't yeah, it, in the exactly. end? Yeah, looking back. So another reason that swim time present is that there's a reduced stress level now. Again, that kind of ties in with more excited. Yes. The final reason, and that's what we're going to get to now, is that swimmers aren't overtrained. So yes. they're nice and rested. Yes. Well, it's a bit like, um, especially during this lockdown, it's a bit like a long taper almost, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know if that's... But they are back in training. It's not like they're just gone in racing cold. Yeah, well, you're trying to get a feel of the water again. Yeah. And actually, I've been thinking for a while, I'm into my boxing, aren't I? Mm. And um, boxers do, they usually have like two fights a year, give or take. And they do a three-month training camp, and then they they do their fight, and then they and do they nothing. Rest, they have yeah. a rest for two, three months. Okay, so this is something all week me and Dan have been debating. Mm. Could swimming almost be in a boxing kind of training program? Could that work for yeah. swimming? And is there an argument for 
this kind of we call it quality training yep. and then is there an argument for the quantity, the quantity training side. that swimming is right now and we're basically going to present to you both sides of this argument because trust trust me we've been arguing about it all week yes. <laughs> yep which one we reckon is better for swimming and which one could work well i think we've we've both experienced both sides of it the quantity and the quality um for me I actually, being a distant swimmer, I actually enjoyed the quantity side. I did mm. enjoy the idea of the aerobic side of it and actually feeling the burn when I swam. But then it was quite nice to have the quality sessions of the drills and the kick and all that sort of stuff. So I, there is an argument for both sides. Yeah, see, I was a sprinter, which I'm sure everyone should know by now. Mm. Keep banging on about it. Yeah. So training in long blocks for me was very monotonous, very boring. Mm. Um, so if it was like this short burst of training, I reckon that would honestly keep me more engaged. And if it was literally race focused. Yes. However, there is some negatives to that in the sense that if I were to train really hard in the gym for those three weeks and I got injured, what happens to my season? So I, I've I've got no time to recover from that injury and I've only targeted this one race. No, very true. And also with the, the quality side, do you will you have a higher aerobic base from just doing drills the whole time? Yeah, so this is something we've talked about all week. Mm. It, this period of lockdown for coronavirus and swimmers might be absolutely incredible for sprinters and sprinters only. Yes. So this, this technique of just having three-week block of training might just work for sprinters because they don't need the huge aerobic base that anyone of, say, 200 free and above... I'd, I would agree with that. Well, if you take a look at Casey Ledecky, she has to get the meters in. Yeah. Otherwise, you just won't have that back-end speed for the 800 or 1500. Exactly. Whereas you look at the ISL teams, and yeah. a lot of them, a lot of their pool time anyway is just drills. Yeah. There's not a lot of explosive training there until you're close to competition. Yeah. So I, th- I think, um, so if we go off the boxing analogy of the three-week training camp effectively, I think it would work three month, well. Three months. Oh, three months. Sorry, yes. <laughs> sorry, three-month training camp. I think it would work well for sprinters, especially if the training is quite intense as it should be. But for the distance, the more the longer distance events, it probably won't suit them as much. Yeah. But, but it's an interesting theory. Yeah, but from the swimming or from the sprinter side of swimming, I would have thought if, or for me personally, yeah, if I had done that layout of training, my longevity in the sport would have been improved because True. Yeah. I wouldn't have to be mentally clued in every day of the week that's one thing about swimming everyone who does swimming knows it it's the hardest working sport in the world it is i mean yeah, the amount of is. hours they put in week in week out but is 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 this something that can change could longevity of swimmers be improved so your likes of what is it Lochte's now going when he's 38 maybe that wouldn't be such a rare thing that's true yeah and actually, the sprinters actually stay in the game a bit longer. Yeah, and that's probably me. because they do close to this training already. Yes, yeah. And normally if you do quality work, your technique inevitably improves. And if your technique improves, then you're, you're laying off the injuries. You're not getting as many injuries. And so your longevity increases as well. Yeah, so what you're kind of encouraging is more time on technique and the, the hard training comes in big blocks, basically. Yeah, yeah so a you, bit like that. hopefully swimmers will have an improved technique and they won't be worrying so much about getting this big aerobic base in the big meters into their arms yes 
Maybe it well, won't. I mean, Maybe it won't. I've always said my theory is that you've got to do the technique first, and then once that comes round, then you build in the aerobic side, and then once that is, once you're fist enough, then start to build in the speed and all the rest of it. So yes. Yeah. So why do why is swimming like it is now? You're someone who swam for a two hundred and a four hundred freestyle, mm. and you swam at a, a very high level at Cardiff. Yeah. Why do you do this quantity of training? Let's say. I honestly think it's because it's tried and tested. Okay. And it hasn't really failed by the look of things. It's only recently now that swimming training has changed from doing up, loads of meters up and down to yeah. shortening the meters You'd but have, increasing the intensity. You'd definitely have to be very brave to zig against the zag, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. It, because the whole world of swimming, as we've known it, has always done meters day it's in. It's always meters. It's not even meters. It's in the pool week in, week out. So if you were to change it to a quality base... yeah you've got to be brave and you've got to really back yourself. And the problem I have is if you mess up that little quality bit, it you, has a knock-on effect later on down the line. Well, and that, but you've got no backup plan. There, no. It's, oh, it's all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's no evidence to show that quantity isn't bad or doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I suppose the bad thing about it is burnout. I've, I've known loads of swimmers that experience burnout. Yeah, um, I mean, especially they're, from they're, a young age if they're doing yeah. meters. They're so good from the age of, let's say, 11 to 14, and suddenly when they sort of reach that age of 15, 16... The coach wants to put them in the senior squad. And yeah, and then it meters. all changes, the motivation disappears, and then the shoulders might not be able to take it. But usually it's down to motivation, actually. Hmm. Well, like I said, the, the, if we were doing shorter training blocks, I think I would stay quite motivated for that. Well, actually, well, do you remember doing training camps, although mm. they were only a week, but throughout that whole week, you went, you did 100% the yeah. whole time. And you, you're, it's something in life, it's harder to focus on the long-term goal than it is the short-term goal, yes. which is why yeah. you're always told to set short-term goals always. Yeah. So if that long-term goal is closer, maybe the intensity that you want to reach that goal is is improved. Yep. Yeah. So your motivation might not be an issue. Well, this is why I wanted to ask Hector about how he stays motivated when he does his 9K sessions. And he, so, he said the end goal, which is and the end very goal. pragmatic for someone who was... Well, he's only 19. He's 19, yeah. And he's training 10K sessions, 9K sessions yeah. every day. Yeah. And to say the end goal, which is the Olympics in a year's time... Yeah. I'd struggle with that. I'll be pers- like, I'll be honest. I think I would make a year, but then you look at athletes and usually the Olympic cycle is four, four years. years. Yeah. That's a long time to stay motivated, yeah. especially if, exactly. let's, say, let's say you have a bad week in training and you think of all the negative feelings coming your way. So if maybe swimmers were racing more and having these shorter targets? I've always believed that we should race more. I think the Americans have got it right. Do you it's, reckon the Americans have more of a quality base than this quantity base? Uh, oh, I wouldn't know exactly because I haven't been to you America. Been so, no. If you are from America and listening, why don't you why don't you let us know? Why don't you do, uh, give us a shout out on Instagram and just let us know what sort of training you are doing if you're racing at college, let's say. Because yes. I know there are a lot of races every weekend. Yeah. How intense is your training during that period? I know I'd definitely like to know. I'd actually, I'd be well up for racing every weekend or every other weekend. Yeah. Well, what's, how much do we use to race in this country? It was probably... If we were lucky once I would say I did. If you discount counties, Mm. I'd say I did four or five big meets a year. And I didn't go to nationals. So that was my season was four or five races. I just feel like that's not enough. You've got to gain the race experience. And Mm. if you're, let's say you're on a uh, quality 
idea. You're getting confused with the two. I know. Terms. God, I I know. know. Hopefully, everyone's followed this. <laughs> if you follow, if you stick with the quality side of training, then I think you would be more race prepared because you'd be doing shorter sprints and stuff like that. Whereas, I don't know, you wouldn't be doing eight hundred meters if you're a hundred meter swimmer as often. But that saying? that does go towards the point that quality may only may only be applicable for the shorter distances. Yes, because yeah. if you're swimming eight hundred, you don't want to race eight hundred every week. No, you That'd don't. Be horrendous. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably Ledecky were to. I don't know if she races that often, but if she were to race, she'd probably use the race as a training session, as a bit of a guide to see mm. what pace she could hold. You know, maybe. So I think that's what a lot of Americans do. I think they they got it right. Well, they, they always get it right. You only have to look at the Olympics. So I honestly, I from personal experience, I think quantity is a bit too much, mm. especially in the UK. I know meters is plowed into swimmers. Yeah. So I'd like to see it eased back and maybe you, maybe coaches of the club swimmers or age group swimmers take a look at what the best coaches in the world are doing right now. Mm. So say Adam Peaty, he is just a monster from the gym. Yeah. That's not swimming weight. I can tell you that. The size of no, him, you that's can't, not you from can't swimming. That big from that's water, in the gym. Yeah. So he's, a lot of his training is focused out of the water. And then you look at James Gibson, what he's doing at ISL, mm-hmm. or for energy standard in the ISL. Yep. That's a team of sprinters. And if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see that they do drills every day. That's all, literally all they do. Yeah, well, he's got a sprinting team, effectively. Yeah. So it'd be interesting what he did, what he would do if he had a long distance summer in yeah, his we had, team we, as well. Yeah, we've had this debate before this yeah. podcast. He's got Chad Leclerc there. Is Chad oh, yes. a distance swimmer or not? Because he races the 200 free... And he's very, very good at it. Mm. And the 200 fly, which to me is past the point of sprint training. 200 fly, definitely. Yeah. But I've always said that 200 free is a sprint. Okay. I think it's a very, it's a strong pace. Like so the you first... reckon he's in the right squad then? For me, yes. Well, you only have to look at his, the, the recent 200 fly events that he's done. He's always gone out hard. So I don't oh, know. He just goes out like an absolute nutter. He goes out like an animal, doesn't he? And then he does inevitably just dies off. So I don't know if he's using the races as a way of gaining that pace, getting the idea of it, you know? So if anyone wants to weigh up this argument of quantity versus quality, maybe at Tokyo Olympics, Chad in the 200 events is the person to look at to see if this training cycle that he's doing with James Gibson yeah. becomes beneficial because he might destroy the field. Who knows? Well, this I mean, is this is what we got to wait and see. If he was, I'm sure he would do the hundred fly as well. And if he can keep up with Russell on the first fifty, then uh, his back end speed hopefully, hopefully will be well, there. In theory, mm. you just never know. It's a, it's a really interesting topic to debate. Yeah, and I think the stats coming out of America of those fifty eight percent of PBs that's a lot, isn't it, it? Yeah, it's not a small amount of swimmers either. So the what is it? The number of swimmers that's registered from that race is. is over 5,000 swimmers. Yeah. So that's does a it, does big it, margin. Does it say what age they are? No. It doesn't say it what age they are. It just says 5,800 swimmers okay. who have swam at registered American meets since coronavirus. 58% of them have PB'd. Which... It would, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it would be interesting to know the age because, of course, if you're younger, let's say you're 11, you are you're, gonna PB. you're going to PB. That's normal. But um, if you're looking at age 16 and over, that would be, be a phenomenal stat, really. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the old-fashioned way, for me, I always thought these Olympics coming up in Tokyo, now because of coronavirus and no training background, were going to be quite slow. But maybe not. Maybe we're going to see swimmers set incredible times. 
Well, maybe. I mean, that'd be interesting. I've always said, I remember in one of our very first uh, podcasts, I said, I think Dressel's going to get this 53 world record. And based off that... Well, yeah, this might be very good for him. Yeah. It might be a blessing in disguise a little bit. So maybe we revisit this topic after the Olympics and say who's right, who's wrong. What do you reckon? Stick your neck out. What do you think is better for a swimmer? I'm not going to say any event because... It'll be way too complicated. I... Overall, I would go for the quality side. Okay. Funnily enough, yeah. Only because ah, I just think I think times have moved on. It, although quantity is tried and tested, I think you have to look at these swimmers now. And PC is just annihilating people. Dressel is annihilating people. And although Ledecky is still, well, actually, we don't know. We don't know how how well she's doing at the moment. So the mm. quality side of it has produce better results then okay so way. you'd go for a training cycle maybe not quite the extreme of boxing where you take six months out and then six three months intense training yes yeah but a little less time in the pool might be beneficial is that what you're basically saying i i just think it's worth a go yeah got it the only way to find out is to experiment okay so i'm i'm with you i really mm. am but if i am the top person in the world yep unless i'm pt who already does this I'm not sure I would take the risk to give it a go because I've got this t- tried, tested. It worked for Phelps. Why isn't it going to work for anyone else? Well, I get you can't argue with it. Yeah, you can't. It's it. it honestly, this conversation could go both ways. We could sit here for hours, but hopefully, we'll try and make this as concise as possible. I think for both on both sides, there's pros and cons. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's almost level a little bit. So it's. Honestly, I think after the Tokyo Olympics, it might balance one way or the other. Yep. I think this is going to be the turning point for swimming. It, not in the sense that suits were, but mm. I'm I'm really interested to see what sort of times people are going to be swimming over the next year. It's, yeah, it's, well, gonna, it's a really interesting time for swimming. I, I'm kind of glad we found that little website. What was it? Swim Swam? S- little website little called website. Swim Swam. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, the no. biggest news outlet for swimming in the world. Yeah. If anyone hasn't seen it, go have a look. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting. It's really handy for us when we're presenting news to you for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do a good job of reporting all around the world. They do. Yeah, they're mainly American-based, but yeah. generally, yes, they do. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah, and that was a that was a, quite an interesting article. Mm. Yeah, it was a good find. Yeah. Okay. So that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. I hope everyone's learned everything and we've just not rambled at you <laughs> as every week. I could say that every episode, couldn't I? Yeah. Well, it's kind of true, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, people are enjoying us. Um, and if you are, please subscribe to the Propulsion Swimming channel on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We really love your support and hope everyone can get back in the pool safely soon. But for now, I've been Scott, he's been Dan. And I will see you in seven days. And we'll catch you on the next one.